This is a George Sherman Media Production. All right. Welcome to the finally named Pitch Clock Podcast. Uh, I am your host, George, here with Stephen and Eric, getting into another episode, and um, you know, I'm just going to start it. I guess I'll let you guys reintroduce yourselves real quick while I pull up something while we, uh, you know, I have something prepared for us. So go mm-hmm. ahead and talk amongst yourselves. Um, yeah, I am excited because... Fernando Tatis Jr. is back tonight. Oakland Athletics have purchased land in Las Vegas. New city. Mm. The worst Sad. kept secret in baseball. The worst kept secret <laughs> in baseball is finally out. Like everyone knew this was going to happen, but it's also very sad. Yeah, no, you never want to see it, not especially that they got the Coliseum all to themselves. But, you know, everyone's getting out of Oakland, which is really unfortunate. I don't know too much about the area, but I know it's <clears throat> a little tough. But my thing is, I so bad for Oakland fans. For sure. They just get stepped on anytime they do well had or like ownership. Move away in like five years. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. That's <laughs> tough. Do you think the relocation will change anything? Because. I saw a graphic earlier today that um, the owner of uh, the Oakland A's, John Fisher, is, I think, middle Ooh. of the pack in net worth, in terms of net worth amongst all owners. And, I mean, we all know that payroll, they're 30 of 30. They're like 56-something, right? And mm-hmm. he's probably richer than the other half of the owners. So I'm just wondering, with this relocation, you know, will that change anything? I mean, you're still getting the same cheap owner. Yeah, I mean, to that is a very good point because, you know, it's not like, you know, if, I don't know, a lot of companies moved out of California to Texas and that's just a tax code thing. Like, you know, it's not like they all of a sudden, you know, start, you know, Apple, let's say, I don't know. They, I was going to say start developing cars, but that might be on the table for them. Regardless, I do agree that there might not be, um, you know, super big changes in how he runs the team, but he might just be looking for a, like, pump and dump. Team gets more valuable by X percent. Cool. I did my job here. Now I'm done dealing with this. You know, sit on your – probably bought the team for $2 million, and now it'll probably sell for, like, shy of a billion soon if they go to Vegas with a fancy new stadium. So more than a billion probably. Yeah, true. I think they're looking uh, and also pisses me off and I know there's a lot more work that needs to go into it. I think they're talking like 2027 or so for this uh stadium. Why uh does Arlington Park for the Bears have to take till like 2032 before we even almost it seems break ground. Just confusing. Someone explain that. Uh more expensive to build that stadium? I don't know. That's my guess. I know. It's, it's a I mean, stadium. I don't know. I mean, it's me wanting the Bears to move to Arlington the, Heights. That's true. They've also had the plans for the Vegas move for, you know, again, who knows how long they've been, they've been yeah, trying to do this. True. I think moving will 
change with the way ownership works because I feel like they've wanted this move for a long time and they've acted accordingly. You know, they uh, they at first were, you know, demanding that the taxpayers of Oakland pay for their new stadium. And the taxpayer of Oakland were like, sure. But then they just kept jacking up price. They're like, actually, we need it to be 800 million. We need it to be a billion, you know, whatever. And they're like, all right, at some point, that's crazy. Like they just were doing everything they could to try and get out of there. You know, they sold off the entire team, any parts that are worth anything. They just traded to Atlanta mostly. Um, and I think all that was just to prepare to keep the costs as low as possible so that when they move, they can sort of start from the ground up. But I think, you know, if if the owner go if they go to uh, Las Vegas and the team is like how it is now, they're not going to get any new fans. They need to build a good team to get a fan base. You know what I mean? And the other sports that have moved to Vegas recently have done well. And the Raiders kind of, but Knights obviously made the Stanley Cup final in their first year of existence, and as a result, they have a huge fan base now because all the people who live in Vegas were like, "Oh my god." This is awesome. Our team is super good. Yeah. So if they the go only to, thing is, yeah. No, sorry. They, yeah, that's expansion. So you get a whole draft there. But if they go to Vegas and still, you know, roll out fifty million dollars in payroll and lose one hundred and ten games, they're not going to get a fan base. Nobody's going to care in Las Vegas. You know, it's it's Vegas. You go gamble in the casino instead of go to the stadium. If the team sucks, so that's why I think the owner will hopefully pony up and actually spend some money on the team um, and not just ship away anyone who's worth anything. But we'll see. It's still that same owner. So, like you said, some people just don't change. For sure. Um, I guess uh, with that, you got any uh, – if they were to change it in, which I would assume they do, you got any name concepts? Um, I mean, I don't know if they actually do change the name because this is going to be oh, the A's fourth city now. I mean, they were in Philadelphia, and then they were in Kansas City, and then they were in Oakland, now they're moving to Vegas. And they've stayed the A's through all three of those. Granted, it was a long time ago. You know, they could definitely change it now. But I feel like part of it is like, oh, we have this history. I mean, they world one World Series, like, not that long ago. I mean, it was a long time ago, but compared to, like, other teams, you know, they like they won, like, the late 80s, early 90s. Like, that's not that long ago. So they have a history there, you know. So I think they'll keep the name. But if they did change it, It'd have to be something Vegas related. I would say the Aces because it's close to the A's, but it's already the WNBA team's name. Yeah, I was gonna um, say, is there any uh, copyright there if they're like the Vegas A's? Yeah, um, you know, I'm sure they have a minor league team in Vegas already, and they're the Aviators. Um, but I would say maybe something like the Spades. I don't know, some some card related. You know, some Vegas themed. The Vegas Mobsters. Yeah. <laughs> The Vegas, yeah, wins, like for W-Y-N-N, like the win casinos. That'd be, because mm-hmm. I mean, that's who's going to be, you know, his mobsters are going to get the uh, 10% off the top of the, you know, re- building yeah. contract. Yep. But yeah, rest in peace to Oakland. My favorite memory of the Coliseum is probably Dallas Braden's uh, no-hitter. Perfect game. Mostly because I was, uh, yeah, idiot. Technically, it's also a no-hitter, so it wasn't True. necessarily wrong. <laughs> but um, I would say that mostly. And then other than that, I don't know. Uh, I think Liam oh. Hendricks shoving it up the socks ass was kind of fun that one time where a capacity crowd was at, at Oakland Stadium at the time. <laughs> All zero fans I had there. 
that was uh that was not as fond of a memory for me surprisingly enough that was hurtful um but you know part, the sad thing is like it's not my favorite but one of the best is uh kind of a fiction not a fictional moment it really happened but scotty hatterberg's walk-off home run to break the streak i mean obviously i don't like remember that but i've seen moneyball enough where I've like seen that scene and you know they clip it with like real footage of it and then you just see that in like baseball compilations where it's like best reactions so that's definitely a good one um just because Scotty H and Moneyball is legendary um but for me I was I was looking through some today because I was like man like what you know there were some good times there I was looking up um there was and I think it was a 2011 ALDS they were playing the Tigers and um Coco Crisp hits a walk-off single um like into right field and they score the game winning run they scored three runs in the ninth that inning to force a game five which i think they lost but even still the game four was awesome and uh that crowd is just going crazy and all the cowbells you know back then and they're like beating on drums and shit and like yeah. that fan base is just going crazy and it's just such a shame because there are A's fans there really are and um i don't know if you saw but they're planning a reverse a boycott where they fill the stadium on like a random tuesday game I think June 13th is the date of that. They said, we're just going to pack it to prove that the fans are not the problem. If you gave us a good team, we would show up. But um, uh, So I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see that place packed again and see the fans go crazy and um, you know bring it back to how it was when the A's were actually good and, and like that moment happened where Coco Crisp hit that walk-off. Also elite baseball named Coco Crisp. Very true. Yeah, that – pack the house game is gonna they're still gonna get rocked like 10 to 1 which brings me on to the next point of the cubbies um mostly just absolute smashed and passed the a's um which is really like you know you watch it and to kind of finish up on the a's it's just you see these like 10 run games and all that and the other games were like it was legit batting practice for like Cody Bellinger, I think had five hits at They're one so game. So bad. And yeah, it's I disagreed with you when the Rocky between the Rockies and who aren't much better, but um, they're at least like trying, the which might be worse. Yeah, but they're not perfect. Yeah, they're trying bad. with, and I guess you know the A's are trying as well. But it's almost like you know this shouldn't even be allowed. Like mm-hmm. you, you shouldn't. Like this is like really bad i think they're on pace for like you know obviously you'd hope they do better but honestly i can't guarantee that they will i think they're on pace for in the 30s or 20s of wins oh my god and it's like i know they'll figure it out a little bit because it's just baseball is what it is like they're not going to lose more than 120 i hope (laughs) but like it is just it's like almost shouldn't be allowed it's like hard to describe i don't know what it shouldn't be allowed like, I, I, did you see the game they played against the uh, Mets where they walked 17 batters? 17. Oh, yeah. Not oh, even. Yeah. That stuff's that's just not so even. Many. They are 3-16 and 16 currently. I was curious about their record. 3-16. and 16. That was yeah, – I, I didn't know what it was, but I knew it was tough. Um, but I, I think, like, the A's – I was telling this to Steven the other day when we were talking about the Cubs-A's series. The A's are the kind of team who, when you play them, you're disappointed if you don't sweep them. Like, you're disappointed if you lose oh, a game absolutely. to them. absolutely. They're that bad. It's like, again, it's baseball and anything can happen anytime, but it's like that team is so bad that you are literally like, it is a di- like if you're playing a four game series, it is disappointing if you only take three or four, like they're that bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. so, you know, good for the Cubs. They made the A's made Cody Bellinger look 
like old Cody Bellinger, and I think Patrick Wisdom just might win MVP this year. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, you know, again, the A's inflate those numbers, but usually against the Dodgers too, and I'm not one, but you have to feel good if you're a Cubs fan. No, definitely. I think, um, you know, it's one of those things where it's just like, when you play the A's, it's like, yeah, you're riding high, we're winning games, but then you remember it's the A's and they have, what, negative 86 run differential. Like, it's absolutely pathetic. So uh, I think for the Cubs, we just got to look forward to the next series against the Dodgers again. I think this series kind of, we can do well in this series. I think it will kind of establish more if they're good or not, but I guess. Shortstop Mookie. Shortstop Mookie tonight. Yeah, no, and that to be said, I mean, with both of your points on the uh, Dodgers game, I was looking behind at the Dodgers game, five runs in three games against the Dodgers last series, and uh, where they took two out of three, and in L.A., you'll take that every day of the week. And um, <clears throat> I know you said about, like, you know, you can't really take wins against the Dodgers too seriously, but they are a major league team, and that's what you got to do against them. And it never hurts to, you know, get some in-game batting practice, I will say. Just almost a – it's like how I play the show. Slides <laughs> up on beginner, just hit tanks yep. until I'm in the show. and like I'm rookie difficulty to get – got to warm up with some rookie difficulty, you know, just to get the swings in, get your timing right, and then you can go to the hard stuff. That's the A's. Yeah, the no, A's I, I hit 60 bombs and yeah, I hit 60 bombs in two months so that I can, like, sim five games and then – you know, basically look like MVP talent right away. Like Patrick Wisdom. Yeah, no, it's uh, insane. But um, to Steven's point, I do agree. If we uh, have a good, another good showing with the Dodgers, I'm uh, things are looking pretty decent. I mean, I think they have the fifth best record in all of baseball right now. So, you know, that currently would slot them in the playoffs. So anything could happen. Now, Although I will say the Dodgers have been underwhelming to start this year. Like, they're not the Dodgers of last year. You know what I mean? But, again, that's part of that is losing two or three to the Cubs. They're losing two or three to the Mets. Like, they're good teams that they're losing to. It pains me to call the Cubs a good team. But right now I think the Cubs are a better team. So, you know, it's I'm not taking anything away from the Cubs. And, you know, what they're doing is impressive. But it's not the Dodgers of last year. That's all I'll say. I kind of wanted to add uh, something about the Cubbies. I know we won a couple games, and right now, as I, I feel like as a fan, I'm riding pretty high on them. But kind of like a scenario where Bellinger is playing close to his old self, and you got you know obviously Patrick Wisdom, who is right now in the running for NL MVP, as you said, and um, you know you got Bellinger, Hosmer, and Mancini on these short-term deals. What do you do? Do you extend them? and continue riding it or do you uh you know trade them and get you know better pieces that you, you need kind of want to hear what you guys have to say i mean i'd say bellinger go ahead steven um fucking with, eric <laughs> with uh with a guy like bellinger you just hope he's good enough where you really have to make a decision like right now he's looking good but you know we're 20 games into the season True. at this point mm-hmm. so it's like you gotta you gotta pump the brakes a little bit it's still early you know yeah <laughs> but you would love to be in a position where it's like do we pay this guy because that means he's good you know what i mean like if if you're getting to the position where it's like do we pay him or do we move him it's like that means he's doing well um mancini i saw today i think is the um lowest 
least valuable player in the league in terms of F4. Um, I think he's literally dead last, which is kind of tough. So I don't think you really have to worry about him. Um, I saw Hosmer hit his first home run the other day, which good for him, I guess. Uh, but, you know, I think if you want to be in a position where those guys are doing well enough to sign him, but it just depends, you know, it depends on how good they are, what your record's like, you know, what, what they would, what kind of money they would want. Um, I think Bellinger's probably the guy out of those three that you're going to be most inclined to keep long-term because he's the youngest and he's got the most potential. Um, but you know, he's been bad the last couple seasons and you hope his turnaround is, is, is for real, but I really think you got to see more of it before you worry about extending him. Yeah. I, yeah. I'd, I'd agree just to, cause you asked my opinion, but, um, uh, I'd say, yeah, to Eric's point, um, Cody Bellinger is probably the only one you're giving a long-term deal to Hosmer. I mean, Hosmer, I think is just going to be one of those guys that team hops, you know, for the rest of his career. He might be on the Cubs. This is this, this is his only contract here with the Cubs right now. right? See, Hosmer's a guy where if he's doing well, you flip him because you have a first baseman in the pipeline, you know, Hosmer's a guy, yeah. if, he's, if he's raking, you flip him. He's old. It's not sustainable. You flip him, hopefully get something for him. Move on. Bring up yeah, I don't mind, yeah, an extension of Patrick Wisdom. I think, you know, like, he's 31, I checked. So, I mean, something to where you can still get some, pri- like, that last couple bit of prime years. And um, maybe if he keeps this going, that's totally fine. And I think he would be a fairly reasonable contract. And then Bellinger, obviously, if he keeps right. If he has that 280-35 bomb season, mm-hmm. uh, the market dictates that he's getting at 27 at least six years for at least tw- between I'd say 22 and $28 million ish. Mm-hmm. So they'd have to really believe in him. And I don't know if I do that. I believe in him in a contract, a prove it contract year, but I don't know about six years to him. So I still I, don't think he's going to hit 280 with 35 bombs. I think that's a little ambitious. I'm going to go like two. I'm going to go with like, 240 and 25 bombs. That's what I'm going to say. Which is still a decent season. It's just not 280 and 35. But yeah, Marcus Stroman's pitching like the Cy Young. I mean, what is he even up like two earned runs so far? Yeah. You know, it's 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 about as good of a start as you could hope for. You know, I think if you had if I had asked you before the season, you know, however many games in a season they are, if you would love to be, you know, win most of your series, the over 500, I think you'd be thrilled with this start. Yeah, eleven and six is definitely not where I'd expect them to be at this point. It took him till May to win their eleventh game last year. Took him till May. What? It took him till May to win their eleventh game last year, and they're already at eleven wins on April twentieth. Great stat, and that's a wowzers. Mm -hmm. Indeed, that is a wowzers. Um, My only concern is like it seems well. They have like a decent core with like Horner, uh, Dansby. And all of that, but I'm concerned. Like some very key positions are just kind of plug and play guys, kind of like the giant. Like I don't want this to be like the Giants, where a bunch of question marks had a great season, and then they just come back to earth again, you know. And now they're, you know, I believe like they were 500 the year after their 107 win season, and then right now they are six and 11. So it's like. I mean, I guess if it's fun now, then so be it. But you'd like to see something like long-term develop, you know, but 
Well, they're still missing the superstar. They have a lot of really good pieces and like guys, you know, really good guys to have in positions. I mean, Horner, Swanson, uh, Suzuki, Hap, all those guys, they're all really good, like, you know, B tier players, but maybe even like A minus, you know, but you really need that like A plus guy if you're going to be consistent year to year. You need that superstar. Um, I know. Yeah, I know you're hoping for Shohei. Oh, we're Jeff Passett just dropped just dropped the tweet where uh, today where if the Angels are not contending this year, which there are I think 99 right now, and yeah, they're the Angels, and they're bound to not make the playoffs this year. They're looking to trade Otani, and Otani is looking to leave, and Mm -hmm. got a lot of. And I heard, yeah. I heard he likes pickle spears and uh, sport peppers on his hot dogs. So so that's what I heard. Rumors, rumors through the grapevine you heard that. (laughs) It's crazy. Like, I don't think it's going to happen, but also, like, it does kind of make a ton of sense. Like, as a – Eric, before you go on, this is our new Otani to Chicago (laughs) segment. (laughs) We spend 20 minutes on that. Now, Steven, or fucking goddammit, Eric. (laughs) I, we look alike. It's hard to tell. It's yeah, hard. Yeah. I get it. Um, <laughs> but the Otani to Chicago thing kind of makes sense. Like, as a certified Cubs hater, TM, you know, I've been, been been that way for a while, but, like, I would hate it. But, like, it kind of makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's friends with Saya. You know, he Wrigley's objectively a great place to play for a home player. Not if you ask Wilson Contreras, but, you know, most other people say that. Um, uh-huh. The Cubs have a lot of good – maybe not great, but good prospects that you could swing back on a deal to the angels. If need be, they have a lot of open space. Like they have a need for DH and starting pitching. I mean, everyone has a need for Shohei Otani for DH and starting pitching, but like it makes a lot of sense as much as I hate to admit it. Otani to the Cubs makes a lot of sense. I still don't think it's going to happen, but if it did, like the pieces are there, I I get, I see the foundation, like let Jed Hoyer cook, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I know these owners are rich, and this would go over so poorly. But like, I would donate to a GoFundMe for <laughs> yeah. Shohei Otani. I'd put yeah. in if you guaranteed it. If it was guaranteed, I'm putting for like a how like a seven year deal. I'm putting in two hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I mean, seven like seven years about- of Otani. The Cubs have what one of the shortest center fields or like left center right center fields in baseball. You know, I see Wood at Dong that bot on Twitter where it tells you Wood at Dong and what stadium. A lot of flats like left center are like it only would be a home run at Wrigley Field. And Shohei's got that kind of power. Where he can just drive line drives, you know, into left center field. He did a lot of home runs into those baskets at Wrigley. Um, I'm oh, kind of talking sure. myself into it at this point. Like <laughs> I hate the Cubs, but also. Seeing as how we're going to live by Wrigley Field, it'd be pretty cool to just be able to pop over and go see Otani, you know, like on a night-to-night basis. But I still don't think it's going to happen, but, like, it it would make a lot of sense. It would make a lot of sense. I know it's Steve's yeah, we, wet dream. He already got his first one with Dansby coming. Yeah. <laughs> first one was actually Bellinger. Second was Dansby. Third will be Otani. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I'm saying we got to – if. If they don't sign him in the off season, I think we um, try to buy some opening first game opening day tickets for like whatever March thirtieth or thirty first. If he signs, easy five x. Those are five x times the money we paid for him. Easy with Shohei the first game or whatever. But um, starting opening it'd be day, really sick. 
<laughs> it'd be really sick if they got him after the trade deadline because then it'd actually be nice out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That uh, Clark Street would be nuts. I will say I think it's more likely that the Cubs would trade for him at the deadline than just sign him outright in free agency. I that think was my be... pick of – yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just think it'd be more likely that they would swing the pro- – and, and I think if he is saying the decision, which, I mean, he will in the offseason – I think he would stay on the West Coast. I think he's going to stay on the West Coast because I don't know if you guys saw the video of him in Boston where it was raining and he was on the mound. He didn't. He looked like he was not having fun. Um, and so I think, you know, I think if – but again, if the Cubs trade for him, um, then I think he'd be more likely to resign there because he'd be like, wow, summers at Wrigley are amazing. You know, but I think if he gets traded, if he either stays on the Angels this whole year or gets traded to the Dodgers – I don't think he's going to end up coming to the Cubs. If he gets traded to the Dodgers, he's probably going to sign with the Dodgers. You know, so I think the Cubs have a much better shot of trading for him and keeping him than just signing him outright. What does um, that trade package look like? Because it's—I don't think it's going to be on the, the same farm. the same level as Juan Soto. Because Juan Soto, you know, you have some years for him. You know, you got like three years. I th- it was was it three? I thought it was like one or two after last year. Is he due for an off-season extension this off-season? I think off-season. so. I don't think he's a free agent after this year. But okay. anyway, anyways, but yeah, you bought a few years. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you bought a few years for him, and then you you have to sell hot. You get to sell a lot for him with Otani. I know. I think about their top like three prospects, the yeah, Nationals. Yeah, they. I think it was C.J. Abrams, Abrams, Gore, Hassel, Mackenzie Gore, Mackenzie Gore. Yeah, those are probably their three to- uh, prospects right there. Top three prospects right there. Yeah, but no, even though Otani is the greatest player in this game right now, this is, this is, this is a rental. Like I don't, it's a rental. Yeah. I don't think the price will be as high, but I don't know. I'm curious to see what you think. I think it'd be one of, I think it'd be one of Mervis or PCA at least probably not both of them. You probably wouldn't have to give them up both, but definitely one of the, cause those are your top two, right? Or no, Brandon Davis too. Yeah. Brandon Davis. Maybe two. Yeah. Maybe two of those three guys. I don't know. You're giving up like, Top tier prospects, right? Exactly. Because if you're buying, and maybe you're multiple for a rental of Otani, that means you're in contention, and so you're going to do what it takes to get him. You know, and at that point, it's like, sure, we'll give you these guys who we th- maybe are going to be good in the future for Shohei Otani for half a year of Otani. Like, I think it'll cost you probably at least two of your top five prospects. Hear, so hear me it'd out. It'd be a lot, but hear me out. It'd be worth it. Mervis is leaving. Brendan Davis is leaving. We get Otani. We move Bellinger to first after we extend him, and PCA is running center. That's a that's a World Series team right there. Pretty good team. It's a pretty good team. That's a World Series. I think team. you're probably light on the prospects, but yeah, more prospects on top of that. But those two would be the headline. Oh yeah, we can give some <laughs> some other other prospects. prospects I want to keep PCA. Like I think 10 through 15. I think PCA is going to be a beast, and I I, I kind of want to keep him. Me being selfish, but that's it's a world series. But yeah, you do it. Yeah, but that's not a deal breaker, right? If they were like, we have to get PCA or else you're not getting Otani, you'd be like, all right, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you don't like PCA that much? Okay, okay. Yeah, no, 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 no. I was making sure. I was like, listen, trust me. I was I was big prospect guy for years, but (laughs) I would have traded prospect, you know, Luis Robert for Otani right now. So, you know, I just you you gotta you gotta draw the line somewhere. That was our Otani segment for the day. <laughs> yeah, come back next week. Brought to you by New Balance. That's also a joke. I don't know if we can. Is he an Otani athlete? 
I'm a, a New Balance athlete. <laughs> he is an Otani uh, athlete. I would love to be an Otani <laughs> athlete. Yeah, signed by Otani. Yeah. Anyway, but yes, he is New Balance. He's got some okay. sick New Balances. Speaking of New Balances and sick and, you know, underperforming, uh, Eric, your uh, White Sox soapbox. Oh, Got to take my medicine for the White Sox. This team just is the worst, man. They're not fun to watch. Um, it's just like everything is wrong with them. The lineup doesn't hit. Like they just they played. We've yet to win a series this year. Not to haven't won back to back games this year. Those are like Oakland A's things. Like no, we're the only teams who have not done either of those outside of the A's, and they can't pitch. The starting pitching has been shaky at best. I mean, some days guys will have good starts. Some days guys will have terrible starts. Um, this lineup is inconsistent. In the series against the Phillies, three games, they had hits in or runs in three total innings in a three-game series. They scored four runs. No, that was against the uh, uh, Orioles, excuse me. But they scored four runs against the Phillies uh, in, I think it was the fourth inning in the first game of the doubleheader. Didn't score the rest of the game. They scored two runs against, or three runs against the Phillies by Jake Berger Homer in the second game of the doubleheader. And then they scored two runs on an Andrew Vaughn homer in this first inning of yesterday's game. And those were the only runs they scored in the whole series. It was literally, they scored in three total innings. So the offense can't do shit. The starting pitching is inconsistent at best. And the bullpen also sucks. And the frustrating part about that is that Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't give Rick Hahn a lot of money to play with, which is big, big fault of Jerry. But Rick Hahn, in the limited money he gets, only spends it on shitty bullpen pitchers. Like, the only ways he spends the money in the last few off-seasons have been, like, Joe Kelly, Kendall Graveman. I spent a bunch of money on Liam yeah. Hendricks, which, like, Liam Hendricks is good. I'm not denying that. I yeah. love Liam Hendricks. And also, shout-out to him. He officially announced today he's cancer-free. So, we love that for Liam. Um, but, Indeed. you know, you spend all this money on these shitty relievers, and then your bullpen still sucks. They extended Aaron Bummer back in, like, 2019. That was a while ago, but now Aaron Bummer sucks. They traded oh for Jake Keithman last year, who has, has, like, a $5 million cap hit this year, who also sucks. Like, there's nobody good in the bullpen. And so when you put a bad lineup with bad starting pitching and a bad bullpen, you're going to lose a lot of games. And it's just so frustrating because, like, I'm at the point where we're, I believe, 7-12, and 12, and I don't even care about them. Like, they're that bad that I'm, like, I'm actively not watching games because it's better Ouch. for, like, my mental state. Yeah, but honestly, it's kind of relieving in a way to not care about them because then when they are awful and do stupid things, I can just laugh at them instead of, like, actually being upset about it because I just have no hope for them. And we're, again, like, three weeks into the season. And I'm already done with this team. I mean, Rick Hahn is the worst general manager in baseball because, again, he's actually trying. Like, you could say, oh, the A's guy, but they're just scrapping it down, whatever. Rick Hahn is genuinely trying to build a good team and has built this shit sandwich of a team that is just can't stay healthy, can't hit, can't pitch, can't do anything. They're so bad. And the division is still winnable. And it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter because the vibes are off and nobody can hit and nobody can pitch and they all suck. And we're probably looking down the barrel of another rebuild, which is probably going to be done by Rick Hahn again, because Jerry Reinsdorf is so loyal to all of his like people that he's never going to fire Rick Hahn, even though he's been the general manager for 10 years, has produced one winning season outside of the COVID year, which is also a winning season, but that's 60 games, so whatever. One winning season in 10 years, and he has no threat of losing his job. That's how loyal Jerry is. And Jerry Reinsdorf just needs to go. He needs to sell the team. He needs to just get out of 
White Sox ownership because he never has the White Sox best interest in mind. He has his own pocket in mind. And so he's keeping around these guys who are not good at their jobs. And as a result, you end up with this crap baseball team um, that had this promise of, oh, we'll rebuild. We're going to finally do it right. And it's just been awful since like 2020. 2021 was good, but, you know, they weren't going to win anything. And then last year and this year have just been absolute nightmares. So it's frustrating. It really is. And this is the team I love. And oh, time and time again, they disappoint me. And this was supposed to be the good times. This is supposed to be the, you know, the end of the rebuild. We're supposed to be competing for World Series year in, year out. And yet we're in year like four, I guess, technically, if you don't, if you include the COVID year, we're in year four of like the rebuild, you know, going from a losing team to a winning team. And it's the second year of the four years that they're a bad team. It's ridiculous. It's just genuinely ridiculous, and it's so frustrating, and I hate it, and I hate the team, and everyone should get fired. So that's my soapbox rant. That was that was beautiful. Uh, <sighs> yeah, I was just sucks. gonna let I was gonna let that one. Oh sit. my gosh, that was insane. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I will. Oh. I want. I, w- I, I want to ask you this though. Um, oh God. <laughs> I don't. No, please, please. Uh, I'm trying to see how I can word this. Um, do you think that? it's a more of a talent problem or a kind of a vibes problem. Because if you look at the White Sox team on paper, yeah, those guys are supposed to be really good. I mean, you got obviously Luis Robert, amazing TA, amazing. Eloy was a top prospect at one point. Great. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know you talked a little bit about that. Moncada was the number one prospect. Moncada, Kopech. And then I know you talked Mm -hmm. about that bullpen. But, I mean, these are some big-name guys. I mean, Bumber, before he fell to shit, he, he was good. Uh, yeah, Kendall Graveman on the Astros was good. Um, mm-hmm. Who else? Obviously, Liam Hendricks is always good, so he's not yeah. Good. Joe Kelly had times where he was good. Joe Kelly um, with the Dodgers, right? So is it? Ronaldo Lopez used to be a big prospect. What, so is this like a I you know vibes thing? I think it's a vibes thing, and I think it's an injury thing. Also, the White Sox have bad talent development. They always have. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last like. The last time they genuinely brought, like, drafted a player and, like, developed him and then he was good in the majors, I couldn't even tell you. It's probably, like, Jake Berger. But even then, it's like, you know, he – but shout out Jake Berger. He's been awesome this year. Um, just absolutely tearing the cover off the ball and pretty much been our whole offense. Um, but, like, we just have awful talent development. So we get these super talented guys in the building, like Moncada, like Eloy, like Luis Robert, and they have zero all-star appearances between the three of them. And those, these guys are supposed to be the core of our, like, World Series winning team. You know, these are supposed to be the guys who are going to be the, the, the big-name stars, and they just haven't panned out. So I think it's – I definitely think it's a vibes thing because I think the 2020 team was so much fun, and they had such an energy about them because that was the first year they were like, listen, we're not a rebuilding, losing team anymore. We're a team that's going to go out and, like, try and win. And they were, they were super fun for the first 45 games of the season in the last – 10, 15 games, they kind of fell off. But then they brought in, you know, old man Tony and talk about a vibes killer. I mean, there's just a, not many bigger vibes killers in baseball than Tony Larusa because they're such a fun team and he's so anti-fun. I mean, like a month and a half into the season, the whole Yerman Mercedes 3-0 home run happened. And instead of letting him be him, you know, he had to bring it to the media and say that what your me did was wrong. And so stuff like that, it's just like guys are going to, 
not want to be themselves and not like play with that full energy that they can, you know, when a guy like that is, is running your team. And so I think he killed some of the vibes, but even this year when Tony's gone, I mean, Pedro Griffol was supposed to bring the vibes back and he hasn't looked all that much better. I mean, you know, he's definitely more energetic than Tony. He's not falling asleep in the dugout, which uh, you could say is a positive, but, uh, but I mean, you know, I thought the vibes would be back and I think they might just be dead at this point and the talent, it's not that it's not there because like what's going to happen is they'll, they'll scrap the team and then, you know, Yon Mankata will go to some other team and absolutely rake, you know, or Eli Jimenez will go to some other team and absolutely rake. It's a talent development problem. Really. I think is what it is. Even a guy like Kopech, you know, he was, he's coming up, had this, you know, super big fastball is this crazy prospect and he's come up and he's been like fine. He's had moments where he's looked really good, but they've totally mishandled his development with having him in the bullpen two years ago, which is fine. And having him, start last year I don't think they should have had him start last year they had no contingency plan. he was their contingency plan for letting Rodon go which was a horrible decision because Carlos Rodon I mean he hasn't pitched yet this year but was one of the best left-handed pitchers in the league when he's healthy and they just let him walk for nothing uh and Kopech was their plan to replace him but Kopech pitched 70 innings in 2021 and before that he hadn't pitched in two years because of injuries and mental health stuff with the covid pandemic and all that kind of stuff and so you're taking him from 70 innings and expecting him to start a full season as your number five starter that's like 150 plus innings he's not ready for that and so i think and so he ended up getting injured and fatigued and all that stuff and and it stunted his development too and so then you're stuck with all these guys who were supposed to be the core of a winning team and all of them are underperforming and so i think it's definitely a vibes thing, and I think it's a talent development problem. And I think those are the two biggest things that are wrong with the White Sox. And it's just a rotten organization from top to bottom. They don't know how to evaluate talent. The only place they're good at evaluating talent is oh, internationally. Uh, we have one of the best international scouts in baseball, Marco Patti, who has found guys you know like Luis Robert, like Jose Abreu, guys like that, where you know you find them. Oscar Colas, who's been Tati. <laughs> Tatis, yeah, there you go. I forgot Tatis is the White Sox. And so they just they had not been able to when they get these good players, you know, in the system, they're just not able to develop them. I mean, I can't even tell you how many first round picks we've wasted on guys you've never heard of. I mean, or or played for the Sox and were horrible. Like we've had the number eight pick, we picked Carson Fulmer. Terrible. It was awful for the White Sox. Bounced oh, around the league. Rough, I don't even think he's right. in the league anymore. They had wow. the number ten pick, picked Zach Collins. Awful. One of the worst hitting catchers I've ever seen. And that was the number 10 pick. And it was just like, guys like that, it's like Nick Madrigal. They picked him fourth overall. Nick Madrigal sucks. Like, hey, you I keep the two strikes out of here. Out of the mouth, all right? He's I a get, now. <laughs> like, I get the appeal to Nick Madrigal, kind of. But even then, it's like, is a elite contact hitter worth the fourth overall pick? What are we doing here? And so you waste all these first-round draft picks and stuff like that, and then you can't develop any talent. And so you're going to come up with this team that just sucks and that has no sort of development or plan for their players, and you end up with this feeble team that's supposed to be really good. It's just it's, – it's a rotten organization. It's top to bottom. It's, it's, it's messed up. And that's Jerry Reinsdorf's fault. That's – you know, you, you get like a Steve Cohen-like owner come in, and he – would probably gut this entire organization in terms of like leadership positions. You know, they're like Chris Getz, who's the director of a uh, player personnel talent development kind of guy. He'd be gone. You know, you get the GM gone, you get new guys in who are more analytically focused or just smarter or whatever, but you just need better people in the system in leadership positions because they failed all these really talented players. And as a result, you end up with this, you know, pile of shit team that is so underperforming. It's just, it's so frustrating. It really is. Well, I'm glad we uh, 
were able to give you a vessel to get that. Yeah, off thank your you chest. for letting me. That sound <laughs> that smelled rotten yeah, in there. That was, that was genuine. He's been that waiting for anybody to ask about the White Sox. <laughs> yeah, I don't like talking about them. They make me sad. This is therapy. Cool. Yeah. All right, moving on then. This is cool. therapy. Max Scherzer. Oh. Max Scherzer obviously Scherzer. ejected after being told to change gloves, and they checked him again, and it was too sticky. Him not being too happy with that kind of got into it with the umpires, um, pleading that it was just sweat and rosin. And um, uh, I'll let you guys kind of give the take on that. Uh, well, and end. right before we started recording, they dropped the news that Max Scherzer got suspended 10 games for that. Yep. So he's going to miss two starts. That's right. Um, it's dumb. I Like, of all the guys you're worried about using sticky stuff, Max Scherzer is the guy you're going to go after. He's like 40 years old. Like, he was one of the biggest proponents against it at the beginning. And th- and that's the guy you're going to go after. And, I, like, Pitching Ninja said this when he posted the video of Max Scherzer getting ejected. He was like, the fans are there not to see the umpires. They're there to see Max Scherzer pitch. You know what I mean? And so it's like, especially with the sticky stuff, I feel like there's it's so subjective. There's not a black and white rules, you know, to, like, how to govern what constitutes sticky stuff, what constitutes an ejection, you know? And so when you see Max Scherzer getting tossed, even though he's just pleading that it's just sweat. And then you see a situation like what happened in uh, New York over the weekend where Domingo Herman had uh, sticky stuff on his hand, which also was allegedly just rosin. But they told him to wash his hands, and then they checked it again, and they said, you didn't wash well enough, and they didn't toss him. And he's not going to get suspended. So it's like, why does one? Why does this happen to Herman where they check him and he's still not good and they let him keep pitching? And Rocco Baldelli ended up getting ejected because he was like, hey – you caught this guy with sticky stuff. Eject him from the game, which he's right about. That's And that's go back, goes back to my point where it's just so inconsistent on a case-to-case basis where it's like some guys you're ejecting. Some guys you give a chance to watch their stuff. Some guys you just, just eject and suspend 10 games. Like We just need a more concrete set of rules on what constitutes – you know, more more communication, more clarity on what why some guys get ejected or suspended or whatever and some guys don't. Yeah, I think – no, I, I certainly agree. I think the whole thing is stupid. Um, I think it's just a power thing, you know. I think it's the MLB trying to assert dominance. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you got a guy like Max Scherzer, big name, marquee name, and then a guy like Domingo Herman. Like who who is going to get more of a story, Scherzer or Herman? So. It's been Phil Cuzzy to eject mm-hmm. sticky stuff, guys, all three times. Three times, yeah. yeah. And I certainly agree with the whole consistency thing. You, you got to be consistent with your calls. Um, but to kind of play devil's advocate a little bit, um, wasn't it like a couple times that the the ump was kind of questioning Scherzer? Like it took like four innings of them kind of going back and forth. Like, hey, you need to wash your hands, but it still ended up Did sticky, it, right? It made him change his glove, didn't they? Yeah. They made, they made him bring out a new glove and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and to be fair, like they're checking his glove hand, and I know you you just take your glove off, rub the ball and all of that. And, I mean, just scientifically, sweat and rosin make a fairly sticky substance Mm-hmm. Um, when and I think what they're trying to do here is police, you know, that being overused because they understand, you know, rosin and sweat, and there's got to be something that you could do to get, you know, get, you know, a grip on the ball. But I never used any of that stuff. I guess what didn't make it to the show, but um, you know, <laughs> and ended up a if it's like in his glove, like that's just it's gonna be there. He's you know has it on eight hours a day for three hundred days a year, like. His glove's going to be sticky and it's going to be on his, you know, well, my hand. Reason and it, too, 
is like, if you don't want them to use the sweat and rosin combination, why do you put the rosin bag out there? If they can't use rosin, you know what I mean? Like, you're going to ban them for that. I think, I think the rule is sweat and rosin are legal substances, but it becomes illegal when it's, you know, too much. But I, I, that, that's kind of skewed because, like, I don't like it, uh, the decision be, to be made by the umps. I, I just don't like it like that. So I, you got to pick one. But it's just so subjective. That, that's the rule, though. It's like it, it's a legal substance, but once it gets a little, a little too much, and once you start using it too much, that's when they kind of start cracking down on them. That's what I read, at least. Yeah. No, and I mean, that makes sense. And, I mean, a lot of baseball calls are subject. Like a strike zone is a subject. Mm-hmm. is a subjective call imaginary box parameters yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there is a lot of subjectivity in baseball but um i don't the suspension seems kind of tough but if it's like you know if x happens then x happens then you know you'd hate for it to be rolling rock of un- inconsistency so if it's 10 games it's 10 games then that, that'll have to be what it is but speaking well, of suspensions, unless you were going to say something. Yeah, I was going to say, well, the thing about 10 games it, in a starting pitcher, that's two games. It's a two-game suspension because he's going to miss two starts, you know. He's not playing in half those games. And one last thing on this was to Steven's point, you know, you can use rosin, but at some point you're using too much. you got to establish where the line is then. You yeah. know what I mean? you got to give, like, a concrete <laughs> line where it's like, if you use this you, much, then that's a – They're out there with, like, like, <laughs> yeah. a, like those the things that runs. measures paints. You're like – up oh, well, it pulled on this needle five <laughs> inches. That's too sticky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just need to you need to get us a black and white set of rules that are just the same for everybody. And I think they're just trying to make an example out of Scherzer. And I don't know why he's the guy that they're choosing to make an example out of, but I think they're using him to be like, listen, we can do whatever we want. I don't know. Power grab. Yeah, give Mets fans more reason power to grab. think. Yeah, that will be his Speaking of suspensions, Fernando Tatis is back um, from his steroid suspension for his hair hair ringworm, I believe, issues. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just further proving and, like, all the promotional stuff about it that no one really cares. Like, that'll be a stain on his overall resume, but we don't really look at that until Hall of Fame conversations. Like, even in contracts, it's like, Whatever, Robinson Cano was suspended about 15 times and still got opportunities. Like, if he raked when he came back from steroids, like, he would be on a team. He just mm-hmm. didn't. So, it, you know, but I'm excited. Um, people are saying that having Tatis in the lineup would help Soto, who's struggling a little bit right now. Mm-hmm. Because, obviously, I mean, just adding an MVP caliber talent to a lineup helps a lot of them, I would mm-hmm. assume. But um, it's definitely exciting. I think they're going to plug him in the outfield, which makes it less exciting and flashy and stuff. But, you know, good to have him back for when I don't watch the Padres games when they start at 11 o'clock. Facts. Yeah, no, I'm excited to see him play again. And, like, you know, I I don't want to say people forget because nobody forgets how good Fernando Tatis is. It's just been so long since he played. I saw some some Padres fan posted on Twitter, and they said, like, they posted all these pictures, and it was, like, the last time that Fernando Tatis Jr. played a game. Max Scherzer was on the Dodgers. Chris Bryant was on the Giants. Um, Adam Frazier and Eric Hosmer were both Padres. Like, I know it's only, like, a year ago, but that's a long time in, like, baseball years or just in any time. It's just been so long since we've seen Nando play, and, you know, you see what he's been doing in AAA. I mean, like, literally putting up, like, 
George playing on rookie mode in the show numbers. <laughs> like, what, 10 for his last 12 with six home runs? That's ridiculous. Are you kidding me? So I'm excited. So it looks like he's in his rhythm. You know, you will see if it translates to the big leagues. Obviously, he's not going to hit that well. But he was hitting like 40 home runs a season when he was, you know, healthy and, and, and playing. So I'm excited to see. And because the Padres made that run in the playoffs last year, it pushed his – that took off just even more games from his suspension. So he can come back, you know, now this season. It's April 20th. That's not that long into the season. Like, he could legit – win MVP this season if he goes on to hit like 40 home runs and you know the 140 games that he plays if he does um so it's exciting that we get him back this early in the season um and especially I know since the Padres haven't really been as good as they'd want to be to start the season they're probably really thankful to get him back um this early in the season to to hopefully you know turn around some of their offensive woes um but I just he's one of the most exciting players in the league and you know, he was on the cover of the show in 21, and, you know, I think most people love, you know, Fernando. Um, and so it's really exciting just to see him back playing again. Um, and I bet he homers tonight. Um, I just have a feeling I feel like he's a big game kind of guy where, where he's, you know. There's the bet. <laughs> might have to, yeah. It's like, um, like live last week. It's recorded. Yeah. <laughs> right. So. You'll see that we officially called him hitting a home run in his first game back. He just feels like a big game kind of player. You know, all the eyeballs are going to be on him, and he's going to hit an absolutely electric 450 foot dinger left field. Calling my shot. Yeah, I just uh, I think you said everything perfectly. Just going to add on a little bit more. I mean, I think before Shohei became the face of the MLB, I think Fernando Tatis was you know the face of oh, the MLB. For sure. Uh, he was mm-hmm. the most electrifying baseball player, you know, during that season where, like you said, he hit 40 home runs. So I'm excited. You know, I'm super excited to see him come back. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see. See how he does. Yeah. Fernando Tatis is the lowest odds to hit a home run at plus 260 on FanDuel. I'm shocked. I'm shocked by that. The people know. I mean, he's hit uh, six home runs in his last 12 pass. Like, come on. Yeah. He's <laughs> plus 2,400 to hit two. Well, you play. So, yeah, I might uh, be putting some money on that. And we put this on the podcast. So, uh, proven. It is. Yeah. Um, moving on to uh, some Atlantic League rule changes, starting off with the uh, designated pinch runner. And to define that for anyone listening who doesn't know, um, a pinch, a designated pinch runner can be subbed in to run on the bases, and then the subbed out base runner can return to the game, and so can the designated pinch runner. Uh, gentlemen, uh, first reactions to this uh, rule change? I uh, I don't I don't like it. I think this is the MLB doing a little too much. You know, you got good things going on with the pitch clock, the larger bases, no shifts, the universal DH a little earlier. But now it's just I – f- I feel like you're just making a new game. Like, it's a new sport. And mm-hmm. um, the whole idea of a designated pinch runner, I, I don't like the idea of, you know, having a player be specifically on a team just because they can run. You're not a baseball player. You're, you're a track and field star. You know, it's mm-hmm. – you should be on the the Olympics, not the MLB. This is baseball. So that's mm-hmm. my kind of gripe with this new rule. <clears throat> yeah. 
And for me, it's like when they took away the DH, I was a fan of that because I've watched DH baseball my whole life. And I think pitchers hitting is stupid because they suck at it. Um, and I, one of the biggest uh, arguments against it was made by my uncle who was saying one of the reasons he loved the pitchers hitting, not love, but liked the pitchers hitting is because it brings so much more strategy into the game with managers, stuff like double switches, you know, stuff like pinch hitting and knowing when to pinch hit and stuff like that. And I was fine with that aspect of it going away. but with the pinch runner, like I'm going to be that strategy guy. Like there's a strategy to pinch running. You know, it's like, if you could just pinch run every time, then like a guy like, you know, Salvador Perez would never run the bases. It's stupid. It's like, you got to be able to have all those aspects to be a baseball player. Like Steven said, if you're just out there to run then you're just not a baseball player, like that's why guys like Billy Hamilton, as much as I love Billy, but like guys like Billy Hamilton or Terrence Gore, or like Tim LaCastro aren't superstars because you just, you got to be able to get on base to be able to show off that speed, you know, to be able to steal those bases. And if you're just a guy who's just there to run, it's like, all right, well then that just gives guys who are just super fast a chance to just be track and field players. Like you said, just go out and steal bases. It makes no sense. Like that's just, you're going away from the spirit of baseball. I feel like Rob Manfred, Got had a good idea with the pitch clock, or at least a well received idea. You know, I say what you will about the pitch clock, but people seem to like it. I like it. I would say watching games. Um, and I feel like he's trying to build off of that or trying to come up with the next big thing. And it's like, hey, we like the pitch clock game and we like the no shift and stuff. So it's like, let that breathe for a little bit before you go make it more sweet. Slow down, Rob. We don't slow need- down, <laughs> right. Right, he had one little taste of a good idea, and he's like, "I gotta do more. I gotta do more." It's like, "All right, Rob, we barely like you. You had one good idea. Like, let let let's calm down, man. Like, you can't just keep implementing things that you think might be fun." Um, and that's like a guy like Ricky Henderson, you know, with the most stolen bases of all time. I think yes, obviously, Ricky's speed is what makes him, you know, such a, a one of the the greatest of all time in baseball. But it's also the ability to get on base. To be able to – Ricky Henderson, you know, had a, a crazy OBP in his career. He walked a ton. And it's like that's why he was so great, not just because he could steal the bases, but because he could out, get on to steal the bases. And so if you're in, in bringing in this new designated pinch runner thing, you're just getting – like you're not getting rid of that, but it's like you're just taking away from the spirit of baseball. You know, you can't just have guys who just do one thing and that be running. I, I just don't like it. Yeah. And to defend like this to these decisions, it's – very interesting how much press Atlantic League rule changes get all the time because I know like people see them come through the pipeline and they're like oh my gosh but um like you know stealing first seemingly has lost momentum and all of that so it's it's interesting that they had a thing where you could steal first at any point like say the ball got past the catcher you could steal first base oh I didn't know that so, like, the Atlantic League, I enjoy – it's almost like enjoying the research and, you know, foresight and uh, the experimentation, I think, um, to go on to the second one. Like, the double hook rule, like, lose if the pitcher fails to pitch five innings, then the DH spot is lost. I We don't need to spend too much time. I think that's really stupid just to, mm-hmm. like, have a position – you know, that we've had now we'll have switched if this was ever implemented. I mean, years from now, it's just kind of really dumb to have some pitcher performance hinge on one, a guy staying healthy. Like if he, if some guy's arm snaps off, does now that screw you over? And now some 
subset of relievers has to hit, which I think is like funny and interesting. But on the whole, I'd rather it just be another person who's des like can hit. There's yep. no reason to like bring pitchers back hitting. It's stupid, especially when they haven't been hitting. It's just going to result in guys getting hurt for things mm-hmm. they're not doing, and people are already up in arms about the WBC not being legit enough baseball for them. So completely out on that. Rule. He's just turning baseball into like a clown show. What are we doing here? What are we talking about? Why do we? Who asked for this? Like getting rid of the you know the pitcher can't PDH like the Shohei rule. You know where it's like. You pull him as a pitcher, you can keep him in as a DH. That's a great rule, and it's applicable because one guy is doing it. It's you like, know, yeah, it was, there's not going to be 18 million Shohei Otani showing right. one of one like, people were besides my that, player too. in the show. <laughs> true, true. That player's a stud, though. So, But people were asking for this Shohei rule change. It was like, all right, you know, he has not a great pitching night, and then we don't get to see him hit the rest of the night. But like this way, we, if he sucks at pitching, or if he can only go six innings, we can still see him hit in the ninth. It's a great rule. It makes sense. And there's no reason, like, there's no reason against it, you know, like, there's no real argument against it. But this is like, what is the point? Who, who is this affecting? Who asked for this? It's just stupid. It's just trying to tinker too much. It's Rob trying to cook, and it's like, Rob, get out of the kitchen, my guy. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, which that would kind of bring us on. I'll kind of swap this around because we're on this topic. Um, going back to the hot potato, it's a double hot potato segment. But it's not a draft this time. We are asking a couple questions that what rule would you rule or rules would you implement um if you were taken if you were the commissioner on top of what has already been implemented in the MLB this year? George, you you, you start. Oh, with my mine, I definitely say some sort of um game-ending outcome after, let's say, the 12th or 13th inning. Whether I've heard people talk about home run derbies or kind of almost, you know, uh, kind of like a, just a showdown where it's like basically the Otani trout at bat where it's he either gets like struck out or a home run is hit. Anything else is just keep pitching or something along those lines and implement something probably a li- little less gamified than that. Um, but, or maybe like move, move it to bases loaded two outs in like the 12th or 13th inning. So I think just getting the game over, I don't see ever the point for 14, 15, 16 inning games. Um, so that'd be one I'd implement, but I, I'm interested to see if you guys got anything on top of that. I actually, that was exactly mine. Uh, I was thinking the same thing, kind of like how the NHL did it, where in the regular season, you know, overtime would be after, yeah, it would be three on three. And so I don't know how that would translate to the MLB, but something like a home run derby, you know, you get your top three guys to do, uh, you know, kind of a home run derby kind of thing that I think that'd be kind of cool, kind of like a shootout kind of thing, but. It could be like a, it could be like the shootouts in the Olympics for hockey, where you can just after like three shooters, you can just send the same guy up again. Yeah. You know, when TJ Oshie just kept scoring in the shootout, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, you could just keep the same pitcher and hitter out there, and it's just like basically home run derby. You get ten outs or whatever, and it's like I don't know, some some like that, yeah. Or like, I like that idea, yeah, like whoever, uh, you know, you have a guy who throw BP out there, and then whoever you know doesn't get the home run, they they lose. 
But I do agree that there's no need, especially in the regular season where the season's just 162 games. It's way too long. So many games. There's, there's no need yeah. for any, or ties. Yeah, or it doesn't. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about ties, but ties are in. Yeah, I'm. Ties but are I mean, American. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you got it in football. That's true, and everyone hates. Everyone them. hates them. <laughs> everyone hates them. Um, but I, something to end the game quick uh, in the regular season, I think something like that would be nice. Um, I think you could do something. This might be controversial, but I think that's kind of what we're going here for. Yeah, that's what we're after. I think you could add a second DH. I think you could add a second DH. Cause, so 10 listen, batters? Or you sub in for another position? Because mm. think about what the worst hitting position in a league is. It's everyone's catcher. Maybe not everyone. There's, But there's like five good hitting catchers in the entire league. And catching is – maybe not catching specifically, but like, you know, catching is such a specialized defensive position and you're taking so much abuse on your body. You know what I mean? And it's so hard mentally to be able to call a game and you're squatting the whole time. It's like if you – if your catcher sucks, like say like the Astros with Martin Maldonado, you know, Martin Maldonado is an unbelievable defensive catcher. He's got a great arm. He's a great framer. He's a great blocker. Can't hit worth shit. Dude hits like, you know, 150. Yeah. So it's like just add in another hitter there and let him not have to hit. Or it doesn't even have to be a catcher. Like a team like the Dodgers, you know, where you have a good hitting catcher, but like your second baseman can't hit. Let your second baseman just play the field. I don't know. Add a second DH, and you get even more offense, which I think is part of what uh, old Bobby Manfred is going for, you know, uh, is more offense. Um, so just add in another guy who is specialized in hitting. I know I just talked about not being specialized when it comes to running, but um, I think hitting is a lot harder than just running the bases is. Uh, and I think we should, you know, reward more of those guys who who can just hit really well and take out some of the really, really bad hitters that are only on the field because they're good at, uh, you know, one aspect of the game and that's defense or run prevention, which is what pitchers are good at. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, it might be a crazy thought. You could tell me I'm crazy, but no, I, I really thought you were, it was going to be like, okay, Eric, I don't know. But I was like, Oh, yeah. I think, I mean, you know, you look at these teams, they use the DH as kind of like a rest day for people. And if you have two, I think you could, double that but also just you know for if your catcher's not great or you know i think there's a million different ways you could use it you know it'd be mm-hmm. uh cut down on injuries probably too somewhat because you're saying you can rest two guys then not having to play the field in the game you know very true yeah i i, I like the idea it's definitely interesting i think the only problem with it is just i don't think players will agree with it i think the reason why the dh became a thing was because i mean no pitcher ever tried. There's probably like right. two or three pitchers that actually tried their hardest when it came to their at-bats, but other than that, no one tried. With the second DH in this case, I, I think a lot of, you know, starters are, would be mad and wouldn't agree with it. You know, I, I know catch, a lot of catchers can't hit. You only got a few, but I feel like those guys want to hit the most. You know, they're, they're always trying to get more game time. So that's just kind well, of Here's my, the other argument I'll make for it. Like they took, so the goal of a pitcher is run prevention, right? You're trying to make the other team not score. So this way, if you add in a second DH, you can have another guy on the field whose primary focus is run prevention. You know what I mean? And so it doesn't have to be a catcher, but then you can have these guys who come up who are absolute defensive wizards. You know what I mean? Guys who come up who might not get a chance in the majors because they can't hit worth shit. 
but like could be the best shortstop you've ever seen defensively. So it's like, then those guys would get an opportunity to just come up, be an absolute dog at shortstop, make like insane plays and not have to worry about the other side of the game and getting hits. You know, you have some other guy who can tag in for him and, uh, and, and just rake and get, get runs on the board so that your you know, elite defensive shortstop can focus on keeping runs off the board. Fair point. I like it. I like it. This is, uh, I think this episode might be like just Eric's soapbox. <laughs> I think that's what I'm calling it. Um, question two, uh, now that I flipped it around, this one is if you were making a new MLB franchise, where would you put it? And the rules being that the city cannot already be taken, um, Vegas will just call it taken. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think anyone's going to Oakland. Um, doesn't and it doesn't need to make total sense, but you expected to defend somewhat your uh, position, like Skokie. I'd I'd have some <laughs> questions. That's fair. Well, Green Bay has a football team. I mean, if we're being real. Um, so for me, I had to think, you know, uh, about this. I was like, where's somewhere that would have electric fans? that is starved for, you know, a good, a really good pro sports team. Um, it'd be warm all the time. Um, and this one might surprise you. And I think I'm kind of going for that, but also I think it's a really good idea. I'm going to say Mexico city. You already have a team in Toronto, put a team down in Mexico. You see the Mexican fans at WBC. They were going bananas for team Mexico. Yeah. Six, and nine you know, was going nuts. <laughs> no, he's down in Africa. and let the MLB flourish in a whole nother country. I like that pick. That was actually one of my picks too uh, that I was thinking of, but I, no, I agree. I mean, the location is nice. I don't think the commute would be, you know, bad at all. So, and then like you said, the fans, I mean, we saw the WBC, that'd be electric. Mm-hmm. I, I like that pick a lot. Um, For me, I think if I had to pick one, I'd probably pick Nashville. I think everyone, you know, likes Nashville. It's like a nice mm-hmm. city. It's always alive. You know, you got your country music. But I kind of picked it more for uh, – I feel like it's already a baseball kind of state. I mean, you got Tennessee baseball there. I mean, Tennessee baseball is one of the top programs, you know, in the whole nation. So I think that state, you know, already likes baseball and is just missing a professional team. And so um, mm-hmm. I feel like Nashville would be a, you know, it's a, always, it's a great city. So I think that would be a great team to start a franchise. Also Vanderbilt. Oh, also yeah. Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt too. So yeah. yeah. Right. And the thing, the good thing about Nashville too, I like the Nashville pick. The other good thing about Nashville is you have a lot of tourists that come through there. Mm-hmm. And so I think similar to Vegas, you know, you're in Nashville for a weekend. You're looking for something to do during the day before you start drinking, you know, Go to a baseball game and drink there. So I like the Nashville pick. Good weather there too, yeah. Good weather there too. That's correct. Indeed. All righty. I'm going for um, some party time. Um, This stadium, we're going to have to build it, um, you know, maybe on like a bridge or above ground so it doesn't get flooded. But I'm going to New Orleans. I'm thinking a New Orleans team would be super fun. You get some yellows, some greens, some purples. That would be a cool jersey. Great colors. You know, 
call it the New Orleans Hurricanes or something like that. The New Orleans FEMAs, you know, it's the Bulls. Yeah, the Katrina, the Katrines. Um, <laughs> the New Orleans uh, tsunamis, tornadoes. Mm-hmm. Well, they wouldn't the tornadoes wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. But regardless, I mean, the Oklahoma City Thunder, based off of a nat- natural disasters. <laughs> Are the Carolina Hurricanes? Do we know if that's based off of something real too? I don't know. I mean, they're right on the right on the ocean, so it does right. happen. Mm-hmm. So I guess yeah, that's taken. But regardless, I didn't ask for the team names. I go to New Orleans. You know, it's always popping down there. It New seems awesome. um, obviously summer when baseball is playing probably would need a dome. But you're also not building a new stadium that's not a dome anymore these days, just for the variability of events that could happen. So I think a dome is easy to uh, uh, kind of pitch in. Be a good time um, and. Uh, I'm going with uh, Nolens, and I would I gladly like go to one of those baseball games. Yeah, I like that pick. I like that pick a lot. <clears throat> I love that pick. I would love a team in New Orleans. That'd be awesome. Put them down in the uh, – being like the Braves division, you think, the NL East? You can go up to New York and stuff, or you think they'd be more like uh, one of the Wests or the Central? I don't know where, what division you put that team in. I feel like an East team, an NL East team. I feel like they it kind just because of the like Marlins and the East yeah, Coast vibe, Georgia, the, the Braves. Vibe, yeah, they fit that vibe. Yeah, might have if to do some any... realignment. Might have to move like the Phillies or someone, you know. True. Yeah. Geographically, but Coolio, gentlemen. Well, Eric, I'm glad we could uh, give you some <laughs> a therapy session. So, yeah, um, thank so... you for giving me an outlet to vent my frustration. <laughs> yeah, so I'll <laughs> give the mic to you for some final thoughts. Yeah, I mean. You know, who knows? Maybe by this time next week, the White Sox will have won a series. I highly doubt it because our next series is at Tampa Bay. So we're probably going to get swept down there. <laughs> um, Tampa Bay Rays finally lost, though. So that's something. But um, we're probably going to get swept down there, if I'd have to guess. And just, you know, let's hope they play better. I'm probably going to do the same thing I've been doing and sort of just box score watch instead of actually watch the games. And I'll probably watch Fernando Tatis and the Padres. Yeah, I got I to gotta place that bet. My final thought is I'm definitely placing the Fernando Tatis bet mm-hmm. um, and probably just get silly with it and do uh, two bombs because it's yep, there. You got to. You got to. And um, outside of that, final thoughts is, uh, yeah, it's good season so far. Go Cubs. They keep, I mean, just keep putting it together and then 77 wins. I double my money on my over-under wins bet. Easiest money of my life. There you go. 76 and a half was a joke when it came out. They were easily an 80-win team. Hey, we're, we're not that far into the season yet. <laughs> They're an 80-win team the at least. Yet. This is an amazing yeah. bet. Okay, Steven? Uh, before I get to my final thought, I just want to ask uh, you, Eric, if the Sox turn to shit this year, which it probably could happen. It's already happening right now. What team will you follow? the process of. Uh, got a secondary a team. I don't know the Padres. Yeah, I like the Mariners a lot. Um, I was thinking the Padres are a good one too. It'd probably be one of those. Although I don't know, picking a West Coast team kind of sucks because all their games are late. Um, 
So if I had to pick a not West Coast, I was going to say the Diamondbacks too. I can't pick them. I'll go with uh, I'll go with the Orioles. I like Baltimore Orioles. We played them last weekend. They're a young, fun, exciting team, um, and they'd be a fun team to follow. I think, even though they play in a brutal division, but they're a lot of fun, and I would like to see them succeed. Yep. And then, I guess for my final thoughts, just kind of add um, to that, I I like these uh, you know fun teams that uh, that are good. I mean, you got the Oriole, Orioles, mm-hmm. you got uh, Pittsburgh. You, you didn't expect them to be good. You got the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. Twins, maybe Cubs are certainly there. The Rangers, Rangers. I mean, yeah, it's almost like we flipped a lot of these divisions this year. We really like, did. Uh, yeah, a lot I of mean, the Rangers, the Twins, really Rays, Braves, mm-hmm. the Brewers, D-backs. I mean, the Braves we expected to be fair. Yeah, yeah. So it's just nice to <laughs> nice to see some of these teams that we didn't expect, and it's just like a, mm-hmm. kind of a change to the standings a little bit, mm-hmm. something new. So I think that's really cool. Definitely. Coolio. Well, gentlemen, that has been the third installment of the now finally named Pitch Clock Podcast. And uh, I will thank you again for listening. Uh, the two of you in Belgium. Auf Wiedersehen. It's German, but <laughs> Shout out whatever. our Belgian fans. <laughs> close, close enough. Um, but yeah, gentlemen, you have a good day and roll the uh, royalty-free rock music. This is a George Sherman Media Production.